Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. for a few years now, but I don't have the fever the way everybody else does. I'm very excited for what he did on Sunday. I mean, for him to come in and not even know that he's starting, like this story about him. He's a phenom. Get him up here. He's the new ace. Lock him in. Long-term deal. 200 million. Let's do it. We're on our way. It's kind of crazy, Chris, because I mean... (laughs) It's exciting, like, the way that Joel Hanrahan told him and was, like, basically saying, we're going to skip your start because we found a little bit of tar or something on your glove. It's a good story, and and Max Kranich is a a good pitcher, a guy that we've talked about on this show in the past. I mean, I know that it was prior to the shutdown, you know, previewing the guys that you could watch, you know, in the minors last year. The minors didn't happen. He's just a good kid, good dude, and he had a great game. This is one of your guys. This is one of these guys that Craig points out on the podcast, and then nobody says a word about him, and a year later, the guy pops up, and all the Pirates fans are like, who is this guy? And all you have to do is go back and listen to old uh, episodes of Bucks in the Basement. Craig was on this. Craig was talking about him. Craig told you he was good. Like, Wasn't it like one of those things where like they were able to pay more money like above slot and they grabbed him in like the 11th round when they drafted him. Like he's a guy who was going to college and Neil Huntington didn't do very much in terms of good things uh, before he was out the door and Ben Charrington came in, but he actually did a good job grabbing this guy in the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, this was one where, I mean, basically waiting until the 11th round when you had a little bit more money sitting over and could, you know, pay a little bit over slot for him and kind of tease him into the major leagues. He's a guy I wouldn't say local, but PA is kind of local because if you're from anywhere other than, you know, Pennsylvania, it's just basically saying, oh, he's from Scranton, PA. Somebody thinks probably about the office first, but then they also think, oh, it's probably close to Pennsylvania. It's really far away. But no, Huntington did a good job to get this guy in here. He had good peripherals. He was a young guy. He's almost 24 right now, but... You know, five years ago, he was pitching in high school. This is a guy that, you know, didn't get much show in AA this year, came up to AAA, actually didn't pitch that great in AAA, but he's on the 40-man. They protected him uh, this last December from the Rule 5 draft. It was him and Rodolfo Castro, the two guys they pinpointed. So you have to think, at some point in time that you were going to see him this season, and because of injuries, you know, to Miguel Yahure, who probably would have been up before him, uh, Trevor Cahill, 
he gets a spot start. And then Pirates fans go nuts. Even though on Sunday before, like, I think it was Saturday before we knew he was going to start, I was like, oh, it's either him or Cody Ponce. They're on the 40 man. And then they could probably option him back down no matter how he pitches and bring Cody Ponce up, which they just did. There's an open start on Wednesday. That's going to be Cody Ponce. I would almost guarantee that it's going to be him. And then I know that you have to go back down for 15 days to the minors. But there's a little loophole that was found by uh, our friend Voice from the Graves, um, who I've been on Gary's podcast with on DK Sports before. And she said, well, what about the injury? And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm looking at it right now. Like, if there is an injury to a pitcher or a player to anybody, like, he can come back up and be slotted right back in. So So you're saying get ready for a guy on the IL. You're saying that's coming, he'll be back up. Yeah, and if he's not, you basically skip a start. Uh, Right now, he traveled with them to to uh, Colorado to play the Rockies. So I'm thinking that he might uh, be on the taxi squad possibly uh, just to basically stay up there. He could possibly throw a side session at some point in time and then start in, you know, 15 days and skip a start. It's not a big deal. Let's talk about him real quick for anybody that's not, doesn't know very much about Max Kranich, okay? Uh, He's the 26th highest prospect in the Pirates organization, according to MLB Pipeline, all right? And he sits in AAA this year. Now, that doesn't excite you normally. You're like, ah, the guy's fired on the list. He almost didn't even make it in the top 30. Why should I be excited about him? Well, let me tell you why I would be excited about him. Here's a kid that comes in and plays in rookie ball. And you remember when you're drafted, you get like a couple of, like you get like a month, basically. You know, right after the draft, you sign, you get a little bit of time. So at age 18, he goes out there and he, he participates in nine games in rookie ball. At age 19, okay, in 2017, he goes rookie ball, moves from one rookie league to the other rookie league, and then immediately moves the next season in the single A. The season after that, he moves into A+. Then he gets the break because of the pandemic. He goes to double A and has already moved to triple A. That's a kid that moved fast. In my mind, if every season you're moving one level, you're doing well. He actually went double A to start the year, moved in the triple A, and now got to start at the major league level. If you look at his whip, like who he's putting on base right now. I know you're going, I knew you were going whip, Chris. I, and I had the whip. whip pulled up, brother. Whip is my favorite thing. Everybody always goes with all these other different metrics when it comes to pitchers. Here's the deal. The amount of times you put a player on base directly impacts your ability to pitch well and to get outs and to be an effective pitcher and to be a starter that goes late in the games and gives your your team a chance to win. Forget wins and losses and earned runs. How many people do you put on base in an inning? Your walks and hits per innings pitched. And here is a kid that has numbers that a relief pitcher would have. When you have a starting pitcher whose who's whip literally sits in the one-point teens. You know, he's like anywhere between like 1.10 to 1.17. This kid can pitch. And at every level, 
he accomplishes the same results. Then he comes up to the majors and he pitches a great five innings in his first start. This is a real, this is a real pitcher. This is the kind of guy you got to be excited about. Is he an automatic? No, but not every prospect is one of the top three guys in your organization and it can't miss. Every once in a while, a guy like this comes along. He's done nothing but everything that's been asked of him. At every level, he has performed to the point where he has forced the Pirates to give him a promotion. And he actually went double A to start the year, triple A already before we get to the all-star break, and then he's up to the majors with a spot start. That That's how rebuilding teams rebuild. You got to find guys like that. This is a nice prospect who's young, controllable, and you want the best for him. I'm excited about him. I'm excited. I was excited when I saw his performance. I'm even more excited when I go back and I look at the numbers over the years in his time and how he progressed in his minor league career. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, like you said, Chris, you are hoping for these guys to step up for when other guys either get injured, don't meet expectations. It's not going to be everybody that's up in the top 10 of the prospect list. I mean, he's on the list, and we should be looking for guys that are off the list. So, I mean, for him, I think he probably, I mean, they're not going to say it. We're basically told him to say, you know, we, you're going to be here for one start. We don't know what's going to happen beyond this, good or bad, because of the situation that's going on with us playing 20 games in 20 days without a break. There's a chance you're going to be sent back down. And by sent back down, it's like, here's your paper move. I don't know if we'll ever see him actually step foot in Indy or wherever Indy's at for the next week. He may just pretty much sit at Pittsburgh. And like I said before, he could be pitching this weekend. So before we overreact, number one, two, you know, that's a once in a lifetime thing right there. You come up to the majors and you pitch five perfect innings. So you can't forget about that, but you also can't forget about, you know, people were saying, let him stay in there when he came back from sitting out for an hour and like four minutes, I believe it was. That dude's not coming back. No, don't hurt a guy. You can't hurt a guy. I know that you're excited, but you can't, you don't take gifts like that. And then ruin them because you you want to go for it after a rain delay. You're not going to hurt a young arm like that. He's got so much more ahead of him. And you need to be... Ha- Look, for every time you run into a pitcher like Mitch Keller, who's supposed to be a can't-miss prospect, and he has all these problems, you hope that you find a guy like this guy who, you know, gets drafted in the 11th round and then just performs at every level forces a promotion yearly, and now in less than a year goes double-A, triple-A, one start in the majors, and performs at all these levels. Those are the guys that make up for when your prospects don't perform the way that you expect them to perform, and you have to be excited about it. I'm interested in what you think about what Ben Charrington is trying to get right now on the trade market in terms of prospects. Uh, I will let everybody in on this. I have a couple of contacts in a couple of different organizations around Major League Baseball, and I have one that has a pretty solid source around the White Sox who explained to me this week that when the White Sox came into town and they're clearly looking for an infielder and they clearly are targeting Adam Frazier, Ben Charrington asked for Michael Kopech. 
Now, I don't have this from Ben Charrington, and I don't have this directly from the White Sox general manager. I don't, I don't have this directly, but I have this from people who claim to be in the know who I've talked to before in, in the past about baseball who have been pretty accurate about what's going on. If that's true, I'm not saying it's true, but if that's true, Ben Charrington is trying to flip Adam Frazier for who would become your number one prospect in MLB pipeline. That's what Kopech would be. He would literally slot in front of everybody. It would be a it would be a, a farm system game changer to go out and get that guy. It, it, he is still technically on the MLB top 100 and leaving it, if I'm not mistaken, probably within a start or two. But he would slot in front of everybody on its team right now, based upon where his location is. And that is a pretty tall order for a guy that the Pirates couldn't move in the offseason. Do you, uh, what do you feel about that? Do you, if, if that's true, and I don't know if it's true, if that's true, if that rumor is true that that was his asking price for Adam Frazier, is he overshooting and in danger of not being able to move Frazier because he's going to drive people away with this high asking price? Or do you love the fact that he's trying to hold up teams right now for high-end guys that can walk right in right now? I'm telling you right now, Michael Kopech would walk right in and be the ace of the Pirates the day he stepped on the field. I mean, Chris, when you told me this previously, I thought about it for a long time. And I was thinking to myself, I probably would start, I don't know if it would be that high. I mean, we've heard people mention, you know, Jared Kelly... There's been like different things. I know Kelly Jerry Kelly's injured right now. See, Kelly made sense in that with that organization at the with with what the White Sox have and what he's gone for, like a like a high end high school prospect, a teen. Still, I think he, I think Kelly's nineteen. He might be twenty now. But we're talking about a prep guy who was just recently drafted. That made sense to me on his timeline. But he's going for a guy. I'm telling you right now. People might think I'm crazy. Michael Kopech walks in. And even if, like right now, he's not stretched out, although he's done some spot starts for the White Sox, the start of 2022, he would be your number one in your rotation. He's your ace. That's what he's trying to get for Adam Frazier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy thing right there, Chris, because it's like, it, are we going on timeline? Or are we going on player? And I think that, you know, people have thought from Ben Charrington that, he, that he's operating from some preconceived timeline from like the younger players that he's gone to get. I'm thinking he's going the best player that he can get. And for the White Sox, I mean, Kopech, I mean, that'd be freaking awesome. And, you know, obviously the White Sox said no very smartly. Because yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty definitive no. And again, like I said, I don't have, I have this from one person who has been right before in the past with me. But if it's true, I mean, I'm just using this as a hypothetical or a hypothetical case. Hypothetically, if that was the asking price or if he's asking for something similar, is he way out over his skis or do you love the fact that he's holding teams up for Frazier, who really is having the greatest couple of months of his entire career? Like, I mean, this is, he's trying to capitalize on the best couple of months that Adam Frazier's ever had. Dude, I mean, ask for it. You're probably gonna, you're probably gonna get laughed out of the out of the building. But <laughs> I mean, why not ask for it? I was actually kind of like thinking to myself, I'm like that we get laughed out for Jared Kelly, for Matthew Thompson, 
for Andrew Dahlquist, like from the White Sox organization, I, I thought we get laughed out for that. So I don't know if he just basically was like, okay, we're going to ask for Kopech and then maybe throw one of these guys in here. I mean, there's other guys. I had myself like completely convinced that Dahlquist, Thompson, Kelly were completely off the market from the White Sox. And Chris, you know the White Sox system you know, fairly well. So for me, I was thinking maybe Vera. I was, I was going down the list a little bit, maybe a Jose Rodriguez. And I had my eyes on like maybe like the left-handed pitcher, Bailey Horn. And I thought maybe those three guys. So I don't know if Ben Charrington was just trying to feel out the White Sox, who are now, you know, supposedly talking to the Diamondbacks for a rental. I don't know. I feel like all these general managers at this point in time are, are kind of feeling each other out as to, okay, if I mention a name to you and it's way up high, can I talk you back down to something else? Or I want to see if you just basically say, okay, maybe him and another guy. I don't know. But for Ben Sherrington to ask for Michael Kopech, it is kind of confusing to Pirates fans because of the quote-unquote timeline. I mean, he'd still be good. He would be, no, I mean, like, I mean, think about it. What you're saying is then his timeline is is accelerated. Yeah. He, he wants, like, he would have control of him for many years here. I mean, I'm talking, we're, we're talking, like, with the arbitration thing, he'd have five, six years of control over him. So you got a few more years before he gets arbitration, plus you get all of his arbitration years. He would still be in your window, and you would still have a pretty high-end guy. I think you're right, though. You ask for the the world in the hopes that they're going to come back down. I want to correct something I said. You know, when Kopech is no longer on the MLB pipeline list, but remembering where he ranked at his highest point, he would have ended up being, he would he would rank in front of everybody. I don't know if he left the list slightly behind Nick Gonzalez or in front of him, but I'll tell you right now, uh, you would consider him to be your number one prospect over a guy in A-plus ball right now. You, you would be like, oh, a ready-made guy who's a front-end rotation guy? That You'd be pretty pumped. That, that's a pretty big ass. So I don't know if it's true. I honestly don't. It's all conjecture and speculation and BS. Who knows? That's shooting for defenses right there, man. That, that's going for it, if, if that's what you're asking for. And maybe the idea is ask for a ton and hope that they'll come back to you and say, well, no, but I'll give you this guy, and it's the guy you wanted all along. It's going to be really interesting to watch what the Pirates do because I do think they move Frazier. I think there's a possibility that they move a Colin Moran. I think that they've got uh, they've got some bullpen arms that they can move. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they move and the draft is coming up in about a week or so here, a couple of weeks, right? Where are we at? We're just under two weeks from it. We're going to talk a little bit about that, even though you're getting into depth with it next week coming up. This is Bucks in the Basement, found everywhere podcast can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. 
right now. Go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. So right now it sounds like there's only a couple of guys you're allowed to take if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you don't take these guys in the draft, you're an idiot, which I find really funny. I know that the the mainstream uh, Pittsburgh media has fallen in love with a couple of guys, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Like, weren't we talking about him like over a year ago? Yeah, and I said and I said I didn't want him back then, and I still don't want him now. Right. Okay. And, and it's like none of these other guys are important to you. And I, I just wanna just wanna point out to people, go back and look at the list of every draft that's happened over the last five to ten years. And look at the guys that rate in the top five or top ten. There was a point where every single one of those guys were considered to be can't miss prospects. When you're up at the top there, you can't miss. There are guys that go number one that don't make it through. There are guys that go two and three and four that never amount to anything. So the idea that anybody knows exactly who's going to make it and who isn't going to make it at this point, you're crazy. All you could do is kind of hope that your team is good at identifying talent. And this kind of goes back to something we talked about when Charrington started forming his team. When he started making moves and grabbing guys off the waiver wire and making these little acquisitions here and there and building his his farm system and adding prospects into his farm system and peppering in his own guys because the, the Pirates, I still believe, are on the path to operate much closer to the Tampa Bay Rays to what, than what a normal Major League Baseball team operates at because they're never going to spend a lot of money. And so you have to then hope and we've talked about this before, that you have the right people in place that can identify talent. So at this point, it's kind of a leap of faith, isn't it? Like, whoever they pick, you have to hope they're right. Because if they're not right about that guy, they're not going to be right about a lot of things, right? Like, I mean, you've got to hope that they're good at scouting. And even if they are good at scouting, you could still miss on the number one pick. I mean, which guy do you want? Like, I'll read off the names in the latest mock draft that I saw. Some of these names in here. You got Jack Leiter. He's a pitcher. You got Kumar Rocker. You got this Jordan Lawler as a shortstop. Another shortstop by the name of Marcelo Mayer, who's a high school kid. There's another high school shortstop by the name of Brady House that's out there. Henry Davis is a catcher out of Louisville. There's there's another right-handed pitcher by the name of Ty Madden that's out there. There's a bunch of different names out there. Is there somebody, you as a guy who loves prospects and looking at minor league players, is there somebody you love? I know you're going to get into this more next week, and you've got some experts coming out, but is there somebody you love right now for the number one pick? Well, I will, I'll start back to when like the tank for Kumar thing was going on. Jack Leiter was above him, and is still above him, in my estimation and in the experts' estimation. So Jack Leiter is a guy that if he came in to the Pirates system, if you took a pitcher, I would take Jack Leiter. The guy's got four to five developed pitches and can control them and has a repeatable motion that if you've watched him, what he throws, it, they talk about this thing called tunneling now, where it's basically like the ball comes in and it matches the same trajectory at the halfway point to the plate. And then all of a sudden they go off in different directions. He's got that. So for me, if it was going to be a pitcher, it was going to be Jack Leiter the entire time. 
I used to go on and basically say to people, you know, they would say Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, and I would say, you know, why isn't it Jordan Lawler? Jordan Lawler is a guy that right now has the five tools, and he is at the highest of the shortstop that have those tools currently. But also you're looking at projecting, you know, guys to be above that. So his five tools right now could be, I don't know, like at or above, you know, everybody else there. Marcelo Mayer, he jumped out of not nowhere, but he kind of came like late to the party. Khalil Watson was a guy you didn't even, but he is a guy that has been, you know, still playing. The other guys, their prep seasons are pretty much over. So he's been like playing his way up through the market. He's a smaller guy. They're projecting some power. But for me, another guy like Henry Davis, he has been the best hitter in college baseball this year. And people are saying he's going to stay at catcher, which we all know is a spot in Pirates fans' you know, minds where there's like not a whole lot of depth. So Chris, I have talked my politicians talk <laughs> around every single player. Um, for me at this point, if you're going to pick a, a, a position player, uh, you're picking Marcelo Mayer. If you're picking a pitcher, you're picking, you know, Jack Leiter. And if you want to go Henry Davis, I actually wouldn't be upset. There's probably about five guys right now. And it's the top five on MLB Pipeline's, you know, top draft prospects. Mayer, Lawler, Leiter, Watson, Davis, that I would not be totally upset with. I know a lot of people have fallen in love with Watson. I just don't see it progressing much beyond where he's at right now because he can't really he can't really fill into a body when you're a five eight dude. I, I, I'm I'm a five nine dude, so I realize that I can get kind of chunky, but I can't get I don't know. To me, like that's one that kind of he's come up the list late. Can I can I share with you my philosophy about drafting in the in the top ten picks? I don't like drafting pitchers. And and I'm gonna illustrate this in a moment so that you kind of get why I don't like drafting pitchers. I don't like drafting pitchers because there's so many things that can go wrong with a pitcher from Tommy John surgery to strange hitches in his giddy up to getting the yips to uh, just being figured out. We're constantly saying, oh, he's got all these tools and all we have to do is teach him two more pitches. That's not easy. And it's not a guarantee. And what I want to do is take you just through the three drafts here. Okay, let's go to 2017. That's realistic, right? Because some of these guys would make it to the majors by now, right? All right, in 2017, here are the pitchers that were taken in the first uh, 10 picks of the draft. Hunter Green went second, not in the majors. Mackenzie Gore went third, still isn't there, has the yips. Brendan McKay went fourth, okay? First baseman pitcher, remember, two-way player? That hasn't worked out yet. Cal Wright got picked fifth by the Atlanta Braves. He came up, got destroyed, went back down, came back up, got destroyed, sits in the sits in the bullpen. Is that worth the fifth overall pick in the draft? No, it's not worth that. Meanwhile, some other guys that 
kind of got drafted that that were that are actually players in that draft in that first round that you might have wanted to go pick up instead. Joe Adele, this outfielder for the Angels, he was a high school kid. I've heard more good things about Joe Adele and what he's going to be. Jake Berger was picked 11th overall by the White Sox. He's tearing it up in AAA right now. Might be getting a promotion soon or might get acquired in one of these trades here at the deadline because teams see what he's going to get. These guys were picked up after all those pitchers that have yet to do anything. But let's go back another year, okay? Let's let's go back another year and, and look at guys like Riley Pint. Who's Riley Pint, do you know? He's a pitcher the Rockies selected fourth overall, right? Be, uh, two picks be, or three picks before uh, Braxton Garrett was selected by the Marlins. Like Matt Manning's the first pitcher on that list when I look at at that draft. He was picked ninth by the Detroit Tigers out of high school. There were guys picked in front of him that aren't as exciting as the guys that were picked after him. And when I when I go back even another year, I I look at I look at pitchers that were taken the top couple pitchers that were taken. In 2015, Dylan Tate from the Rangers and Tyler <laughs> J from the Minnesota Twins. They were picked fourth overall and sixth overall. Carson Fulmer was the third highest pitcher taken in that draft. Remember Carson? He got released by the Pirates, I think, three times last season. Like they just we kept picking our, up. We loved him for a couple minutes right. each time. Exactly. Meanwhile, guys that were taken in that draft that actually turned out to be pretty good. Alex Bregman was in that draft. That wasn't a bad pickup. Andrew Benatendi. I mean, if you're one of the teams that took Tyler J, do you think that maybe you would have rather have taken Andrew Benatendi for the fact that he came up and he, he contributed? These pitchers are just a roll of the dice in a draft. Now, lighter, as you said, with all those pitches and the polish, maybe you're right about him, right? But man, if you take a position player, I feel more comfortable. There's a lot of position players that get taken in the first 10 to 15 picks that make it to the majors. Not all of them do, but it feels like you got more of a chance. And do you really want to strike out with the number one overall pick? Pitchers have so many issues, arm issues, Achilles. Look at his poor Mike Soroka down in, down in Atlanta. He, he's, a, he's a phenom young pitcher. He re-injured his Achilles while he was trying to get back out there for the for the Braves, walking from the field back to the clubhouse the other day. Pitchers are like the most fragile things in the world, not only physically, but mentally. Look at Mitch Keller. So, I mean, like, before you go take a pitcher with the number one overall pick, I warn you, there is no guarantee when you pick up a guy who throws a ball 90-some miles an hour and still has things to learn for several years before he makes it to your team. No guarantee at all. That's uh, kind of blew me away. And look, we're we're going to be talking uh, draft in depth on the next episode of Bucks in the Basement. Uh, but I'm going to leave you with this thought, Craig. Uh, and and I can't wait to hear uh, you sit down with some experts and talk draft next week on the show. But I'm going to leave you with this thought. Remember, way back when, back back in the distance, a long time ago, like 20 years ago. All right, but you're going to remember this, right? The big discussion was Joe Maurer or Mark Pryor. Remember that? Mark Pryor, big phenom pitcher, or Joe Maurer. When it was all said and done, which one do you think you wanted more? (laughs) God, Joe Maurer. Absolutely, (laughs) brother.
A lot of Absolutely. potential with the other guy, but he was a pitching coach before Joe Maurer left baseball, if I'm not mistaken. And that's why pitchers are scary in the early picks of a draft. We'll see you next week on Bucks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.